to the roadie on the horn podcast we are back uh this time with you know i'm just gonna get right into it we have the man the myth legend eric jensen look at him eric could you say something just just for the crowd please uh, i'm doing good i mean the first thing that oh, was obviously mentioned i i assume this will be the social clip uh is eric why why are you wearing a suit uh because god damn it i look good i mean i i, I just i put i put this thing on today and I, I had to go to a, a wedding reception and it was weird and Utah because it was like Mormon people don't, I don't know if you guys know this, but like Mormon people don't like get married normally. Like they go to the temple and it's like select like three people and you have to have like recommendations from like your church leaders to get into the temple. So it's like close family only at the actual wedding. And then they have these receptions and you stand in line for like at least half an hour, just standing there. You get up to the bride and groom, you give some hugs, you give some handshakes, you say, I'm so happy for you. And then they say, okay, to have some food and, you know, leave. And, and that's kind of how it goes. And of I course, mean, that, that and, sounds and, fine. And like, of course <laughs> they didn't have uh, an open bar, but they do. Uh, they did have a novelty soda shop uh doing like they brought their goddamn soda fountain to this reception place and they were just chefing up drinks so i got my ginger ale with cranberry syrup and some fresh lime and i'm I'm just ready to go i'm just ready to go here tonight i mean i'm i'm fired up donnie's like oh eric why are you wearing a goddamn suit and i'm like well because i look good donnie god damn it and i mean the hair's flowing and i just feel great and uh yeah, now you, now you got me all fired up, Donnie. I'm, I'm excited for this. And Ryan's looking at me like like I'm some sort of a madman, which you, which know, you I, are, which it's I am. Uh, but uh, I mean, Ryan, you're, you're looking good too, man, with the backwards hat look. Like Colin Coward, he fucking hates <laughs> you right now. But like, you're, 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 looking, true. you're looking so handsome right now. And I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's just... <laughs> It's just a good time to be alive. And I well, mean, you know, Don, you're like, but you're, bes- I, it goes handsome power rankings here. It goes Ryan one, me two, Donnie three. That's the way it goes. Donnie okay. just looks like a troll it's right fine. now. I'm, I'm having it. I'm put having up in his little hat. Why do you need the hat and the hood? Come on, dude. What What are you? Some malcontent? Like, oh my just, God. Just, just go with, I, just go with, just, just go with the hat or the hood. So don't make, actually, don't do both. This is very comfortable. I don't know if you've ever tried it, but like the hat under the hood and then you put the earbuds on so you don't have them on your ears. It's like, this is a pretty comfortable setup for me. And you know, it, I, I just, I don't appreciate the slander from you. Um, I, I think Ryan would almost agree with me that this is like, this is an okay spot yeah, this for me is, to be in. This is, uh, this is pretty regular stuff. And this honestly, is literally I'm every sure, single time. Yeah, I, I'm sure the people listening through the podcast instead of watching this on YouTube are like, what the hell is going on? I haven't even like spoken and Eric already educated all of our listeners on Mormon weddings and the power ranking of the handsomeness of the men in this call. So, I mean, it's been a phenomenal start to yet another roadie on the horn podcast. I mean, wow, we are so excited, Eric, in, in all seriousness, I mean, we love to chop it up with you sports wise. So, I mean, oh, yeah. you've educated Thanks, our man. listeners on, on the non-sports things. Usually that's kind of reserved for the back half of the podcast, but we kind of got it, you know, forefront right away. So, I mean, I'm fired up. Well, I we mean, can yeah. still do it in the back half of the podcast. Oh, we'll like, I don't it. mind. We'll, we'll hey, hang around, yeah. hang around. 
you know, I think we should just like start getting into baseball talk a little bit, which I think oh, yeah. is at the forefront because we're finally getting down the stretch and we're finally getting into what I would say is probably going to be the most interesting part of the season by far, considering we actually have some races. There are, you know, year by year we see in baseball, you know, it's kind of hit or miss. Divisions are usually settled by like, you know, about now you kind of know who's going to win. But we have some interesting ones, starting with, I'd say, the AL East, which has been out of nowhere. We've got the Yankees like playing baseball again, which is crazy, considering they kind of didn't do that at the beginning of the year. And we got the Rays, who are also very good. The Red Sox not really, uh, you know, doing it anymore after the last time we talked about baseball on the pod, Ryan, I don't know if you remember, we were both shocked about the, the Red Sox and the Giants. There were the two teams. The Red yeah. Sox have definitely not done what the Giants have. Giants are at the best record in baseball right now. The Red Sox are currently not in the playoff spot. So let's start with you, Ryan. What's the, what's the thought? What, what do you think is going to end up happening in this division, especially because we have the Yankees who are streaking. They've now won five straight, I believe, maybe six, um, depending on how this uh, the game they're currently in is going. I believe they're winning um, in the ninth inning. But, yeah, like, Yankees, it's kind of crazy. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, no doubt. They uh, have, you know, this entire season, I feel like their head-to-head that they've been playing with the Red Sox has really gone the way of, you know, Boston so far. And then now this week, the Yankees have a doubleheader against the Red Sox. They were able to sweep that and have played really well against the Red Sox since then. So, as you said, you know, Yankees really surging lately. A big surprise to me, I, I remember a lot when we were, we were talking before the deadline, I was like, man, this year is really not going well for the Yankees. Like, this is kind of a desperate move to go for Gallo and Rizzo, and Rizzo had been out. Now he's back now, but um, it's really just their whole team has just kind of stepped up and um, they've been able to get some good pitching um, as of late, which has really kind of helped them out. So, I mean, hey, credit to the Yankees for, for kind of riding the ship a little bit there and a little bit surprising that the Red Sox have kind of faltered a little bit. And I think a, a little bit under the radar, too, is still how well the Tampa Bay Rays have played. I mean, they really haven't lost a step at all. They added Nelson Cruz at the deadline, which really helps out their offense, obviously gives them a nice power bat. But the Rays have been really consistent. I think it's kind of interesting, too, because obviously they made it all the way to the World Series last year. But everyone still is kind of like, ah, the Rays, like low payroll. They don't really got the big name star guys. But guys like Austin Meadows, Randy Arozarena, Brandon Lau, like they've all had solid years yet again. So you got to give the Rays a lot of credit who are still at the top of that division with a hand with a, with a solid lead, five and a half uh, at time of recording right now. Um, but I, I think that's kind of how I, I think that division is kind of been playing out. It, it's really been interesting to me to see how the Yankees have really surged as of late. Yeah, um, Tampa currently has the best record in the AL. It's not even like close at this point, which is surprising considering I would have said at the beginning of the year, you know, Tampa going to fall off a little bit. I do believe that we did not think that Tampa was going to be at the same level they were last year, but they could throw out, they could throw you out there and they'd still be fine. Like it just yeah. it's how it's gone every year. I, I, it's it's crazy to me. On the other hand, we have the Yankees with a massive payroll chasing them, uh, adding on more players to their massive payroll. Uh, Eric, you told me you've been watching the Yankees a little bit. What are your thoughts on just what the Yankees have done since the trade deadline? Like, what are we thinking about the Yankees? Are they a World Series contender? What are we thinking? Yeah, uh, it seems like they're so up and down. Obviously, Rizzo's been on the COVID list for a while now. Uh, he's starting, I believe he's coming back like later this week, right? And he was already played today. Yeah. Today he was played, the first okay. game he came back, yeah. Apologies, I did not obviously watch the Yankees today. It was either but, today um, or Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. So I, mean, I don't think like, it was you... Thursday because I watched Thursday. But um, he uh, he's been a revelation for them. He's been like the best player they've had. Really? Oh, I'm sorry, I left this fan on. That's going to be in your recording. <laughs> I'm definitely going to turn that off now. Um, but uh, as I sorry, I'm I'm just re- rearranging stuff so I can actually watch some Major League Baseball while we do this. But um, 
the um the Yankees are an interesting case study to me because like you look at the roster and they should be so good but like there's something like fundamentally wrong with them that they're just like trying to uh battle back from and I'm a fan of teams that like you know it takes some you like adversity like I I like a team that's like dealing with some with some stuff and like they they are a team kind of dealing with some adversity and I mean it seems like they go on these streaks where they win like two or three in a row and the New York media that's the other thing I started listening to like this ringer podcast that the New York New York podcast but they do like Spotify exclusive or something like that. And I, I've just become like fascinated with the way the New York media covers New York sports. And it just seems like everybody, like it's so hard in the use of it, but it is like by definition of a word, like bipolar, like they, when oh, things absolutely. go well, when things go well, the media says like, oh my God, look at this Yankees team. Like they're going to the moon. Like this team is a world series contender. And I mean, they're not wrong. It's a loaded roster. The batting lineup is insane and they've got decent pitching. But when Aroldis Chapman doesn't have his stuff, which happens like two out of three times a week, then they kind of fall apart. And everyone's like, what's wrong with this team? Why is it this managerial stuff? And like, I think it really comes down to the fact that you don't have a consistent bullpen because if a role, this Chapman was great. Every time he stepped on the mound, you wouldn't have a problem, but he is an inconsistent baseball player at this point in his career from what I've seen. So uh, yeah, I, that's kind of, that's kind of how I feel about uh, uh, the Yankees. Yeah, see, with how long a baseball season is just in general, you're going to have stretches there. And the whole point is for you to just be able to remedy those problems. I think we've seen in baseball time and time again, it's like even when the Cubs won the World Series a couple years ago, they had bad stretches. They did not play great baseball all the time. Yeah. That's how it goes. That was like right the, the break. I remember they had that's like what I'm saying. No, that's what I'm saying. Even the Dodgers have bad stretches. Like this year, the Dodgers were at a point where they lost like 17 of 21. And mostly because of bad bullpen and you know there are some other issues um and yeah you have a point with the new york media just in general we've been as fans of especially hockey for me but like basketball too you see with the knicks all the time if the knicks are good new york media is just they pump 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 the content and when they're bad it's like it's probably the worst place to play worst place to coach um it's just it's interesting especially because with the yankees like we haven't seen that much tangible success from them in a long time like they haven't won a world series in a long time. And, you know, you hear 27 all the time, but in terms of like, you know, success and everything for a team to pay that much, I think you need to have some sort of win. And I mean, it's like moving forward, if they end up keeping like Rizzo or Gallo or both long-term, it's like, imagine how much money they're going to be spending to probably be behind the raise again. And which is crazy to think about, but you know, the reality of that is that's baseball. And I mean, we can even like segue to the other, um, the other league with the NL East, it's like all those teams, Atlanta, Philadelphia, the Mets, even Washington spend a ton of money to all be so mid. And, you know, we've seen, obviously Atlanta has picked it up a little bit recently. Uh, they went from, they were saying on the Yankee broadcast the other night that each Monday of this month so far has had a dif- different leader of the NL East. Uh, first was the Mets then the Phillies and now the Braves. And I think that we've talked about this before, but like that, encompasses the entirety of what the NL East is like it's so 
And it's like, it's not even their competitive. Like Ryan, what we've talked about this so many times, who's the, what's the best team? Who's going to win the division? What are we doing? Why are they even playing? Like, what's the point? Yeah, it seems like they're all the same. Honestly, I, I was looking at that earlier when you brought up the AL East in, in kind of comparison. Like the Toronto Blue Jays, for example, they're in fourth place in the AL East. They're, you know, another team that bought at the deadline. Like they've had a solid year. Like they have good players like Blue Jays. Like normally you're like, yeah, they're a good team. They'd be a half game out of first place in the NL East. And they're sitting 10 games back in the Rays in the AL East. At least. So, they'd, be, yeah. they'd be five, six games up. So think exactly. about that. If they were playing that schedule, no doubt. So it's really interesting. It's a very mid-division. You know, the Braves, I think everybody kind of looked at them at the beginning of the year and was like, well, I mean, they've been in the playoffs before and now they're without Ronald Acuna. But, you know, replace him with guys like Jock Peterson and uh, – um, who, who was the other outfielder that they uh, they traded? Jorge, oh, Jorge Soler. Soler. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, the Braves, they, they you know, I guess they're the best team kind of by default just because the Mets are, have kind of fallen apart and the Phillies have always been kind of mid, even uh, out of some hot stretches that they've had this year so far. And I and I will say earlier this year, I remember saying that I think the Nationals had an opportunity to uh, make something happen. And then, honestly, they decided to just trade away everybody, even like more so than the Cubs. So, shout out to the Nationals for just tanking completely. So, that did not work out, but bad division to your point and just one more note on top of this I don't know if you guys saw but they have it's interesting to see a a real owner like talk to the fans and tweet consistently and today he tweeted about how the Mets lineup is uh they are inconsistent their OVP and slugging is so bad for team paid so much money and first off I've never seen an owner like go to twitter and be like yeah this team stinks like okay first off he's he's the one supplying the money to pay these idiots second off like if you said that like you tweet something like that let's say the lakers for example let's say the bus the bus family decided to tweet oh this lakers team stinks like you think lebron would be sitting there like huh like what do you what do you mean Whereas in baseball, it's like the Mets are just kind of just like, I'm sure none of the players like really wanted to hear that. But like, how do you even like, how do you deal with that? It's like your boss telling you that you're bad at your job and then just telling you, hey, go do your job. Like, there's there's such a lack of confidence there. Like, is, is that part of the problem? I think so. Eric, Ryan, I, anybody? I, I just yeah, feel like you guys saying the Mets are mid is just giving them such a pass. Like, they've been such a bad baseball team since the trade deadline. Like, they lose almost... wild. They they lose almost every night, and it is wild, because, like, the lineup is unreal. Like, the lineup should work. Like, we've seen the lineup work in other places. I really think it's all coaching. They need to fire whoever their hitting coach is, and get a new guy in Eric they've already done that this year buddy that's already happened um (laughs) well fire this guy too because he's obviously not working so the the thing with this is they're going to get a pass regardless because of injuries like Jacob deGrom has missed months now um Noah Syndergaard has not pitched yet this year Carlos Carrasco just came back so that's your three top three pitchers probably I'd say in terms of your rotation like obviously Marcus Stroman is very good too um but you know you're going to get the injury pass but at that point, like, I don't know, it, it, you bring up a good point saying, like, it's it's giving them a pass and everything and allowing them off a little bit. But, like, I don't know. You could ask Ryan. I've been a big Mets apologist this year, and, you know, I, I was very pro-Mets for a while. And at this point, you have to be, like, especially because they're getting just absolutely dumped on by the Giants and the Dodgers now. It's like they play yeah. back-to-back-to-back-to-back series. Like, man, it, it's a tough road, but, like, 
in reality, if the Mets won the division, I'd still be like, ah, you know, whatever. Like at this point, like if they if they reeled off, like they have forty two games or something. If they won twenty five of those forty two and won the division, I'm like, yeah, okay. And then they lose in the first round, but like that's fine. That's how it works. Right. Yeah, it kind of goes to your point. Like that division, the leader has changed so frequently over the last you know month. So I mean, whoever's really hot in September is going to kind of claim that spot. I think. So I guess with that division, like. Who who do you guys believe in? Because like no with Ron, once Ron yeah. with no one I, in the playoffs. I used to be like a big Braves guy, but once Ronald Acuna went down, like props to them for staying so competitive. But like, I I don't really know about that. I, yeah, I feel like honestly, the team with the best chance to do anything in the playoffs is like the Phillies, and. I, I feel even they have even like that. Some and major I, I don't think anyone is winning a series. Uh, yeah, because it's like, as somebody who follows the division pretty closely, like I see who they run out to pitch every couple of days. It's like obviously you know you get you get six no hittings out of Matt Moore every once in a while. Like oh like, maybe this could work, but like who who are you? Why are you there? And then like the, the, there are like guys named Ranger Suarez or whatever, and he's he's like starting games regularly for them. It's you know it's at a point where you see teams that needed to do more at the trade deadline to actually want to compete didn't do enough it's like atlanta literally retooled their entire outfield out of nowhere maybe didn't even need to add those guys but they added literally three or four different outfielders and whereas you know the mets got javi Baez, who hasn't played that may be a a you know a game changer when he's back he comes back sunday of this week you know maybe not who knows but yeah that's a very weird situation and then we have a third and final weird situation in the san diego padres who eric bet on um recently <laughs> He put money on um, to go all the way and, and do big things this year. Um, and since then, that didn't go well. <laughs> they've probably lost like 80% of their games. Uh, Patisse is still playing great. They just got swept by the Rockies, who are legitimate, like, ass. Like, pardon my French, but they are ass. And, you know, they, they lost 3 or 4 to Arizona. They're really down bad. Ryan, we'll start with you. What's wrong with the Padres? Like, what happened? Like, obviously they have injuries, but like, how are you this bad? Like, how how are you going to fall out of the playoffs to that Reds? Like, come on. Right. Yeah, it is surprising how they've really kind of faltered. But we had this conversation a little bit ago, uh, just us messaging about the Padres recently, Donnie. And I don't know, I kind of just get a strange vibe. Like, yeah, they kind of had some high expectations. And yeah, guys like Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis, when he's been healthy, have still been really good. But I feel like on the pitching side of things, it's just been kind of inconsistent to, to really kind of sum it up. You know, you Darvish, solid year, but has now run into some injury issues. I think Blake Snell has underachieved this season. I expected him to have a better year coming over from Tampa Bay. Chris Paddock has had success before for the Padres. I expected him to have a better year this year. Joe Musgrove, obviously he had his no hitter, but I feel like still like that, that pitching staff, I feel like should have performed better than they have so far this year. So it's a little bit surprising to see them kind of falter as much as they have here. Maybe it's just kind of a weird blip and they still can kind of compete. I don't think they're better than the Dodgers, um, especially in a playoff situation. The Dodgers have really kind of had their number in a lot of head-to-heads, um, including the Max Scherzer trade. I'll, I'll throw that in there as well, uh, too. So um, I don't know. I, I think the Padres are kind of in an interesting spot. But I think, too, it's important to remember that, you know, how you're playing now is not as important as how you're playing in October. So maybe the Padres just kind of, you know, Tatis was out for a little bit. They can kind of regroup and bang, we'll get some new energy once uh, October baseball hits. So um, it, it is a surprising to see this blip. But I still think the Padres end up playing in the playoffs and uh, have an opportunity to, to make a little bit of noise. But as I said, not better than the Dodgers. Don't expect them to be making the World Series this year. 
it's like almost insane to me how the MVP candidates in both the AL and NL are obviously, I think Otani is going to win the AL. I don't think there's any doubt there at this yeah. point. That guy is just home run later. ridiculous. <laughs> he threw eight innings of a one run ball today. He hit a home run. His 40 Stealing bases too. I mean, he's, he does it all. Like, come on. And then you've got in the NL, Tatis is probably the leader at this point, I would say as well. He's pretty much dominating almost every category that's relevant. Obviously there are some names in there. Like I've seen Trey Turner has been mentioned a little bit here and there, which is interesting. Freddie Freeman, who's always good. I but think like, actually Chris Bryant has kind of been. That, it's also fair. Also fair. But like we could be at a point where we have two MVPs miss the playoffs. And yeah. that would be, I, I don't, I couldn't tell you if that's ever happened or that's happened recently, but like, you got to think, is most valuable player really that valuable if they're like not making the playoffs? Like the Angels, for example, it's not it's not Otani's fault at all. You can't blame yeah. him. But like, no. man, that team is so awful. Like, how but I mean, no well, it's not new. I mean, yeah. Mike Trout's okay. been the MVP there forever, and they always miss the playoffs. Yeah, but but like the thing is, like, when are they gonna? Are, are we gonna do something here? You know, it's like this will probably be the last MLB topic here. But like. Are the Angels ever gonna be able to host like like a team that's good enough to like actually matter? Well, like, they they need to like I don't know. Bro, I can't they spend so much money. They I spend can't so much money. That, but they spend it on all the wrong people. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Rendon was a bad, probably not not <laughs> ideal signing. Just yeah, I like Rendon, but they over. No, no, no. But but like, fine, get Rendon. That's fine. But Rendon hasn't stayed healthy. And hasn't added that much to the hitting proposition. But what they needed to do was last year, the reason they lost so much was because they lost because of pitching. And this year, the reason they've lost so much is because they lost because of pitching. Yeah. It's literally the same thing every <laughs> single year. Well, we see every single of- year, every single year, they have talented, talented batting order. They're the bees, like shout out them. I know I'm a little bit locally biased, but they consistently crank out like good minor league, major league hitters. Like Jared Walsh has been a good right. has been a good major league hitter. Like Matt Feist, when he plays in the big leagues, gets his hit. Same thing with Taylor Ward. He gets his hit. Yeah. And now so Brand- Adele's just come up recently. Now Brandon better. Marsh is up there. He's getting his hits. They're, they're always going to have offense. But the fact they decided that like, okay, we're going to get Andrew Heaney and extend him and call him the answer like one why did the yankees trade for andrew heaney that may know like <laughs> not sure either he had a good like, like he's like he's not good like he's Finn not Ray. that's why he, he's yeah. not a good baseball player and like what's hurt them this year is that dylan bundy last year was like a cy young candidate and, and this now year he's just sucked every Every Jose Quintana, sing- he's doing like cleanup crew every uh, single time. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy really, to me. If they wanted to win, they should have gone out and gone after Garrett Cole, but they didn't. So, I, but I mean, they they they've. They, they, I mean, they even need more than Garrett Cole. I, mean, I seem no to remember them being in on Patrick Corbin. Uh, what was it two years ago? It's probably good they didn't get Patrick Corbin because he is just abysmal. Um, but I, I'm probably just picking the wrong players. I mean, we see that a lot. It's in sports in general, like. Free agency and lack of development. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we knew that though. You knew with the Angels, yeah. like you know, they've never they, developed a pitcher. They didn't develop Otani. <laughs> Otani was already developed yeah. when he was here. So outside of him, like you know, they just placed Sandoval on the IL. So that's really going to hurt them. 
they didn't have a chance anyway. It didn't really matter. But like, it is just, it's just nuts to me that we could have potentially a, a two MVPs on, on teams that either yeah. make the out or miss the playoffs in general. But I guess that's, you know, that's how it works. Also, um, I mean, I don't, I can't give you names, but there are people I know within that organization from working kind of outside of that organization a little bit. And I got to be careful with how I phrase that, but who, who just don't believe the owner Artie Moreno cares about winning. Well, that's like, that's been a, that's been an issue like in public news. Yeah. Like we've known that. Like, like, I think you can watch the Angels like play. From, like from the way he runs the minor league team, like, so much of baseball comes down to ownership and they just it's the same with basketball too it's like you have to have a passion for the sport to actually be able to run a team you have to actually like want it so it's like you see the clippers for example with balmer like that man loves what is he does he might not know what's going on all the time he might not be He's the passionate. best guy to act, but he is passionate as hell whereas Artie marino doesn't even go to games anymore like hmm. he, he he literally doesn't go to his own team which he owns which is worth a billion i don't i don't know the valuation on the angels but they're worth many many millions of dollars um but yeah i guess we can shift that over to a quick college football segment that was not necessarily planned however i think it would be good for both eric and ryan to get a little bit of their you know just their brain power out especially because college football starts two weeks which is just nuts to me considering you know it always comes up on you quick i think like football one, season one football. week actually is one it? week from now is week zero Wow, is it Hawaii? Yeah. Oh, that's I forgot about. Yeah. Okay. So Hawaii UCLA, which will will actually be like a good game to watch, and and like I mean Nebraska Illinois, like that'll be like they have some like Power Five matchups, so some decent Power Five matchups that'll be worth watching. In which is game. ideal because usually, so like years ago, I used to remember how college football early season would be literally you play an FCS school and you're gonna like it. So like Miami played Bethune Cookman week week one, and I was just like. Great. Why are we like, doing that? <laughs> they're favored by 49 points. Yeah, yeah. like who cares? But uh, this year, early on uh, in September, we have some ranked matchups, which, you you know, every once in a while we'll get a couple decent ones. Like your good old Iowa team gets to play Indiana, who's actually ranked yeah. above them, which is – That'll be know, a good game. Interesting. We have, you know, USC is going to get out there and, and play San Jose State, who is right up outside of the top 25. Georgia Clemson, which will be the highlight of week one, I would assume. Yeah. You know, it's like Alabama's favored by 20 against a ranked Miami team. You know, really just a good time. Makes you feel good. Oregon, Ohio State, that's going to be a really good game. I, um, we just got to think about, like, college football in general. First off, is this year going to be different because of all the, like, I don't know, like the money that's being spent on players and all the – are we going to see some, like, crazy random deals in the middle of the college football season that's going to, like, like million-dollar deals? Because I don't know if you guys saw this, but – Nick Saban was talking about how a certain player is making seven figures or yeah. whatever this year. Right, um, right, yeah. We, we, we know That's who it is, crazy. obviously. But and like that, first off, when I saw that, it blew my mind considering we went from like six months ago, this wasn't a thing. And now it's like the guy's a millionaire before he like does anything professionally. Like he's playing college I mean, sports. Look at, look at Quinn Ewers. I mean, yeah, he's this like number one highly touted like know his name because like probably five years from now or sooner he's gonna be a top two prospect in an NFL yeah. draft. I mean, he's enrolling early at Ohio State. Uh, yeah, like he he had the chance to go back to Texas, but because of Texas's NIL rules, 
And the fact that he couldn't sign for money in Texas, he was like, okay, peace out. I'm going to Ohio State. And he's going to have, like, if he's good enough, which people say he is, like, he's going to have a legitimate chance to win the job as, a, as like, an 18-year-old. So I, I really don't – I don't know what you mean. What I, I didn't quite fully understand that question, Donnie. I think you've already started to kind of see – the ramifications of NIL. I don't think it's truly going to like change programs for like a year or two. I think you got to wait for at least like a recruiting cycle to see that kind of change, but there are definitely going to be players this year, especially at your school, like Miami, who are going to break out and have good things in Miami, like local Miami kind of businesses and things like that are going to reach out and you're going to see them start advertising with things in Miami or like you'll see guys like, from Rutgers start, you know, advertising stuff in New Jersey where you guys are kind of at. So I, I think you'll, you'll see that stuff. Yeah. I just, it's really surprising to me because like all the slander that Reggie Bush has, has received and all the slander that all these great players have received because of whatever, the, whatever they, they did or whatever happened. And now we're at a point like, it's not only acceptable, it's not only like you know, you know, accept it as, as a practice. It's like, this is what's going to happen. And it's like, we're going to even see like smaller players. Like, I don't remember what school it was, but every walk-on got, got their entire scholarship paid for got their entire tuition paid for by, by a, a random like juice bar this week to do advertising for them. It's like, first off, it's really cool. Cause you always like seeing the, the little walk-on st- stories or whatever. Like you yeah. always see every once in a while, but like, that's shocking to me. And then it's like, I don't, I'm just thinking in the future, like obviously this was not planned. This is not a planned conversation or anything, but like, will this end up being benefited? Like, will this benefit schools like a USC, for example, which is in downtown LA right there? Like you could definitely make some, some Hollywood moves there. Like there could be some oh, yeah. compared to like I, an Alabama. That's literally it's, it's Alabama, you know, obviously very well recognized, but you know, less uh, opportunity. Like, I mean, the big cities are definitely going to have like an advantage, but like, what what's really going to have the advantage is Alabama is still going to have an advantage because the boosters there are just crazy. Yeah. Like the boosters sure. there are nowhere near what the boosters are at USC and they never will be like, that's how Alabama was already getting all these guys was the fact that their alumni, just all they care about is football and they know Nick Saban's a genius and they're just going to give him like $3 billion every year. But now they have a way where Nick Saban can say, hey, I couldn't guarantee recruiting wins before, but if I tell you guys which one of these guys to go out and give scholarships to, like, you can, like, I will tell you what players will succeed here, and you can go buy them for me, and then give me them, and, you know, they'll continue to, you know, be, be great and be Alabama. Yeah, see, I was going to say something about, like, the sanctity of college football, but I think that's already been long out the window. Like, we yeah. already knew. Like, literally. Oh, but please, Donnie. There's a, that, that never even existed. That's what I I'm mean, saying. It doesn't, it's, it's never been there. That's the point. It's like, you, you already know. Like, it's crazy because it's the only league in the world, the only major sport in the world where you have, like, a top team 
and then there's another team that's kind of close to them, and then there's another team that's kind of close to them, and everybody else is just so far off. It's crazy to think about. But the like, tiers, there's, yeah, there's the, significant the, the tiers. tiers. It's like Alabama's S tier. It comes, it comes from the funding. I think, like, is, is really, like, the rationale for it. Like, Alabama, they got the nicest facility because they win every year. So, like, all these recruits are like, oh, wow, they come to visit. Like, of course you want to go there, you know? So, you, you don't always get that. Uh, yeah, in, bro, in you get a Bama sports. offer. You're like, oh, sh-. Yeah. like, you're, you're real. It's going to make all the money. So, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's crazy. I knew, I knew, like, loosely, like, I've, I saw him a few times, but, like, a guy that went to my rival high school who was like a four and a half star recruit and he was getting offers from like, you know, Utah and BYU and like Oregon and Washington and all these schools. And he was like, he basically had almost committed to Utah, but then like overnight, like Nick Saban just called him and was like, Hey, you're going to be a backup. (laughs) And he was like, he basically was like, yeah, I, I would rather be a back. He has not seen a minute of playing time and he's not going to be a starter this year. And like kids like just want to go play at Alabama, even if they're just bench warmers well, for their entire career. They hit senior year, they hit the transfer portal and then they can go show out wherever they want to. It's right. kind of how yeah. college football has been. Like, I don't know. It's crazy to think about. Well, I, I, I do think that's the great equalizer. If they keep the transfer stuff the way it is, that's the great equalizer. Because at that point, it does become like free agency and coaches who like, for example, Utah, and this is like a transition to get into that, I guess. Like the reason they are successful is because they have a history of before the transfer portal going after like junior college players that have won like national titles. Which is a legitimate route. And getting good junior college players who were like all Americans in junior college up to the Pac-12 and getting them up to speed. And like, that's, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but like, that's how Zach Moss happened. Like Zach Moss was like a Juco star and he just comes to Utah and becomes like one of the best running backs the Pac-12 has ever had, period. He's like fifth all time in some of their rushing records. Like, and now what Utah is doing is they're just, saying, okay, you've played your career as a bench warmer at Miami, at Oklahoma, at LSU, at Alabama. Okay, come here for your senior year, get guaranteed a starting spot and come play in a weaker, you know, conference to give, get a shot at playing for yeah, a, a, a national title. I mean, Charlie Brewer, who is likely going to be their starting quarterback this year, at Baylor under Matt Rule had them almost at the national title. Last year was a bad year for Baylor. He was kind of down. He kind of got replaced. But I mean, Utah called him up. Utah would have never had a shot to recruit Charlie Brewer because he's like a four and a half star quarterback. But now that, you know, he's seen some playing time in college, you know, they went and they got him in the transfer portal for, you know, nothing. And then you go out and you get like, they got TJ Pledger and Chris Curry, who were respectively uh, LSU and Oklahoma's backups. And I believe Chris Curry is the LSU guy. But there's a quote where Joe, Joe Burrow basically said, yeah, Chris Curry is like one of the best running backs I've ever seen. He just never saw the field because Darius Geis was like. No, that was not, Clyde Edwards-Elair. No, uh, Clyde. Yeah, you're right. Clyde Edwards-Elair was 
take in all the playing time basically so that's where like these and like i'm sure iowa's doing the same thing like that's where like these middle power five conferences iowa, have, a, I was have a chance a to catch up iowa has a a lot of guys that transfer away from iowa which kind of sucks but they recruit guys pretty much saying like you're not going to play as a freshman you're not going to play as a sophomore but we're going to develop you and then you're going to turn into a player that at the very least can have an opportunity to make an NFL roster like they'll, they'll turn in guys that are three-star recruits or two-star recruits into guys that are competing for roster spots because of their work ethic and the weight room and their film study and whatnot so Iowa doesn't really go with that route but I mean yeah it makes sense it's really just pretty much based on the coach like what does the coach want to get do they want necessarily like older players that are coming from a different situation or do they want to kind of develop them in their own house so everyone's kind of got their own philosophy on it yeah, I think even Miami dips in the transfer portal a little bit. Like usually yeah, wide receiver skill positions, it's kind of how it goes. Like, quarterback. I mean, honestly, look at the transfer portal. <laughs> honestly, it's so smart because that's the number one thing with like college football is you want to get old and stay old. And I mean, like even for a program like Alabama, like it's smart to hit the transfer portal, especially. And I think that's one thing that you're really going to see in college football over the next few years is like, unless you're like a top 10 recruit at quarterback, you're just not going to see freshman quarterbacks start. You already kind of saw that, but now it's going to be across the nation. I really do think it's going to be transfers and grad transfers that are going to be like the starters at, at these programs. And that's just kind of the way you want to do it, I think. Which is, it's probably a fair way to build, especially if you can't recruit, because like, even Miami can't recruit against Alabama and Miami has like the richest history of, of almost any program in the last 20, 30 years outside of them. But yeah, I don't know. I think we can shift over a little bit from college football talk, obviously always good. And I, Ryan and I will have more on that because Ryan is a college football fiend it is, it is his, Love it. uh, it, it's his, it's his thing. And, you know, um, but we can talk about some college products in the NFL. You know, we've seen some debuts in the preseason. Well, can uh, I, I, I am curious from Ryan, like, I do think it's going to be kind of the same old schools, but I just want to run this by you, Ryan, yeah. like, I, if I can, Donnie. Oh, or, no, no I, I know the answer already, but you, you can't, can but like, one, I think the number one team in the nation this year, and I know, I believe Alabama is going to fall off a little bit, like one loss, like one, two losses. I just don't know how you can watch the two games he played in last year and not think DJ Uyunglele is going to be like oh, by yeah. by far the best player in the nation this year, probably win the Heisman, and Clemson is just going to roll through an extremely easy schedule after Georgia to like 11-1 or 12-0. Like to me, they're the best team in the nation, like hands down, even though they lost their starting quarterback and they have some questions at like wide receiver. I think that they're number one. Two, I do think it's, you know, two is a little bit surprising, might surprise you a little bit. I really do think this is the year, like, Oklahoma, like, puts it together. Like, the defense oh, improves. No. <laughs> you say that, though, but the no, defense. No, we, we like, have Scotty G. Scotty G. Scotty G. The defense. Don't the do this to me. The defense put up was, like, in PFF's college rankings, like, ended up in, like, the top five or six last year like at the end of the year, like they, yeah, there's this whole thing, like the big 12 doesn't play defense. Well, Oklahoma set up where like 
this year they're returning most of their defensive right. starters and this defense. could be like their best defense ever and if you have that and like I don't know what to think about Spencer Radler but like some people think that he's going to be like the best quarterback in the country this year like if that happens if they have the typical Oklahoma offense and the defense I know they've never won in the playoffs before but like if they can have a defense and have like a Lincoln Riley crazy offense, like I think they should be like a heavy favorite to be national champions. And then, you know, Bama is going to be there and, you know, fourth, I think it's a toss up between like Ohio state. And I think Texas A&M is going to be good again. Um, I think those are kind of the, the two I buy into the most. I don't know. That's kind of how I see like the top that's, four. That's a very safe way to play college football. Let's just throw out all the blue lines. <laughs> We're probably going to find it. Well, I mean, am I, <laughs> but I'm not wrong though. You're not. Oh, that's that's that, how that, college football works. Again, yeah. we talked about the sanctity of college football. There is none. It's literally like, just the same like, things every year. The fact I even put Texas A&M in that group, I feel a little crazy for doing that. Yeah. Like, Oregon. But... They got, you know, probably the guy who might go first overall in the draft, Kayvon Thibodeau at defensive end. Like, you know, there was Wow. I haven't heard that. You really think he could go number one overall? I I mean, I think he has a chance in terms of his pure athleticism. It depends who needs a quarterback. But, yeah, like that's something that's been like semi, semi, I don't know. I think it'll be a top five pick. Okay. But again, college football—it's literally the same couple of teams, and we know it. And it's like it really just depends who who finishes. Okay, okay, with. I'll I'll throw out one surprise team, oh, and no. it's in your state, Ryan. What do you think about Iowa State? Okay, Iowa State is ranked seventh. Like you're you're just reading the AP poll right now. Right, I know, but like if Iowa State made the playoffs, here's what I'll say on on Iowa State. Yes, okay. they have a lot of guys coming back. They have Brock Purdy coming back, a quarterback who's a veteran. They've got a really nice running back, Reese Hall. Nice tight end, Charlie Kohler, you know, got some hype around him. Iowa State's not a fucking national title. Yeah, let's just let's just be realistic here. Iowa State cannot recruit the backups that Alabama has out there. Like, but do you don't think they could get coached up enough to be in contention for that fourth spot? Again, there is no coaching up. But I think Oklahoma's better. There's no coaching up in college football. It's literally college football is going to have Alabama and Clemson are going to be there. We know that Ohio State's going to be there. We know that Oklahoma is going to be there. We know that. Like this is how it goes. Iowa State could win seven games. I'd be like, you know, it have that's sports. But like Alabama's not winning seven games. Iowa Oklahoma's State's going to win more than seven games. Okay, they, I think they Iowa could, State's got a good team, but like easily, I think them being ranked seventh in the preseason is a little bit much for me. They're going to finish lower than that at the end of the year. Okay. And, and with that, we will be moving on to football talk. As I started before, like we saw preseason football, <laughs> Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. I personally do not care about preseason football in the slightest. Does not do anything for me. Does not give me the tingles inside. Uh, you two may be different. Should I care about preseason football? Should I care about what Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence and, and, and Zach Wilson and everybody else did? Like, does it matter? Ryan, start with you. What do we got? Uh, I'm going to say no. I think the only thing that matters is follow your team's young players and see how they do in the preseason. That's really all I can do. So if you're a Bears fan and you're like, Ooh, Justin Fields had a couple of nice throws, a couple of nice runs. Sure. It looks good, but it, you know, it, we, we, we are really, we like the preseason because we like football. And when there's better football in a few weeks, we're going to be like, this shit didn't happen. That's my thing. Especially with how little t- people have played, like pl- good players have played. Like we've really seen yeah. this year, especially like a lot of good players just haven't played, which is fine. Like it's okay. Uh, well, Eric, should I care? Should I care? Uh, if you would ask me a week ago, 
I would have been like high on the sensation of there being like football on. So I would have said yes. But after game passing, like oh. every single week one preseason game, don't which, do that. I don't know why I did that. It was just such a waste of time. I mean, no, you shouldn't care. Eric, I, Eric I, that's funny you did that because that's definitely something I've done in the past in my life. And I will say I had a thought of doing that and I started watching the Eagles game and I got to like <laughs> halftime and I was like, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, no. So like all I really did, to be <laughs> honest with you, was I went to like all the ro- I watched every snap of every rookie quarterback. And even then it was kind of useless. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I watched the Broncos first half where Drew Locke looked OK. So yeah. that that was like, yeah, that was like uh, KJ Hamler. Is that right? Yeah, that yeah. was like all was I really all, all I really watched. no like you won't learn anything i do feel like you can learn something about the rookie quarterbacks like you can see like their talent like if you aren't a big draft person you can kind of see like oh wow like 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 the trey lance throw that went viral or whatever you always get a few of those and like uh but uh, no donnie the preseason yeah. doesn't matter it, see, i mean this was yeah. primarily that one play I saw so many people sit there and be like, oh, what? Oh, this guy's going to be great. Make him quarterback number. Like, let's calm it down a little bit. Yeah. He, he has. If we you watched, and by the way, if you watched every snap of that game from him, his, like, the draft concerns are still there and real. Like, his and mechanics. And they're going to be there. We know I, like, like, I don't know. How, I get one, I don't have, I'm not a draft guy, so I don't have access to, like, college tape so i only watch like youtube highlights to see these guys before yeah that's most, most on that eric but like when you see him on game pass like drop back and do every snap you can't see what people are talking about when they're like he has serious mechanical issues like he has a super long throwing motion and like his footwork still isn't good and he I mean, missed he's played he missed, one year at an fcs level yeah a like, lot of development he, yeah he missed a lot of throws like I do think there is some advantage in starting him, but like, I don't know. It is. I think it is a yeah. huge disadvantage to starting him. Actually, I think it would be a massive, massive. I think mistake. they start Jimmy G. He needs I think to. They, yeah, I, I probably agree with that. Because it's like even even if Jimmy G doesn't show you much as a a like you know as your competitor or whatever, he has learned under you know, some very, very smart football men over time. So at the very worst, you can soak in whatever he knows and whatever he can give you. And that's all you're looking for with him. It's like, I, I don't know. I saw a lot of people talking about preseason and like, like really running through, breaking down certain plays. Like, you got to remember <laughs> these guys are playing, like they're playing bums. They're playing guys that are going to be cut. Like Tim yeah. Tebow was out there getting highlight packages and missing blocks. That was like, bad. Like, come on, leave First off, Tim Tebow, we already knew he couldn't block. He was a quarterback. Like, yeah. most quarterbacks cannot do not have the, the functionality in there. They'd be better using him at a running back. That's not – or make him a fullback, tell him, hey – Like, yeah, block, so. <laughs> uh, no, just literally tell him, hey, run in, run in this little space here and just run right through and see what happens. Like, yeah. I don't – but, yeah, at that point, like, I don't know. I've seen too much hype about preseason football. I think it's more just the recency bias than anything. Um, another thing that the recency bias is – I saw the win-loss records, so like the, the betting lines were set. Uh, earlier this week, they had been finalized, so officially finalized for the season. And so I just wanted to come with a couple. Um, we'll go with our teams, obviously. You know, it's like they're going to be pretty bu- – uh, ah, 
especially us, Ryan, but like <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be pretty bad for us. That's the NFC East. Yep. Uh, we'll start with the worst, the team with the least amount of wins. Uh, you know, I was surprised to see the Lions were over under four and a half as the second worst, uh, but the Texans are over under four wins. First off, that's shocking to me in a 17-game season where you can have somebody, you can have a team that's going to win four games. Like maybe they're not going to win four games. We already know that. That's like, that's them just being nice and thinking, oh, Deshaun Watson comes back and, and well, plays yeah. Vegas, Vegas is sharp on those because like, as much as you want to look at the Texans and say, oh, yeah, they're a lock for 0-17, it is incredibly hard with the way professional football players play football and the level you have to, like, get to to get to the league at all to go winless. Like, the fact the Lions and the Browns did it says more about their coaching and, like, just the general dysfunction of the organization than anything else. And I mean, you could say that with the Texans, but I truly believe the Texans are going to win a game this year. Four is a lot of free agents. Four games is kind of high, but like if they ended up pushing that number and winning like four games, like I would not be surprised. Yeah. I'm with you like, on that like it's just weird stuff happens in the NFL. Like we, I always, I, I use playoffpredictors.com to kill time in the offseason and have fun. And I always have a team that goes like two and 17. And usually that team doesn't even exist in real life. Like it's so like most teams are going to be anywhere between five wins and like 13 wins. And it's really rare. Like if you look at the history of the NFL to see an outlier, there's maybe like one or two each year. And I just, I, I, I think the, I'd still take the under because I think they're likely going to win three or four games. And if it's four and a half, I really don't think they can win five games. But like, I'll, I'll be personally shocked. I'll tell you right now, if they win zero games, I'll, I'll if be, they, if they I'll be two incredibly games, shocked. If they won two games, you wouldn't be surprised, right? Like, cause I, that's where I'm at looking at the schedule. Yeah, they, they, they no, no, I wouldn't games. be surprised, but I think it's much more likely they end up winning three or four games than zero to two i i guess that's that's reasonable and i mean on the other side the chiefs are currently the top the favorite to win the most games at 12 and a half i also think they could do that pretty easily like I, it might not be like it's not gonna be easy with the division obviously we have some competitive teams that could steal a game here and that really would not surprise me at all but like the chiefs could very well go yeah. on a, a a hummer of a streak there and win eight or nine at, in a row at a time and be like whatever like that's yeah fine. that's a good point donnie i i think too like an important part of the the chiefs bet is just how good they are at home like they dominate at arrowhead right. so i mean it, it, you're probably gonna get six home, wins like, wow yeah. like what went wrong so yeah. i mean the, the, it's hard to kind of bet against the chiefs in that situation but i will say this I it wouldn't surprise me to see a little bit of regression from the Chiefs this season. I mean, coming off a Super Bowl and then a Super Bowl loss, I don't know how often it is that a team goes from you know Super Bowl Super Bowl loss to you know back we're winning the Super Bowl. You know, I, I think we could see a little bit of a regression from the Chiefs. You know, they've dominated the NFL the last two years. Like they've caused a lot of hatred on a lot of teams. Like there's a lot of teams like they're gunning for the Chiefs. Like it, you know, every time they got the Chiefs on their schedule, they're like, all right, we got the Chiefs this week. We got Patrick Mahomes, and they've really kind of had their way so far the last couple of years. So 
it wouldn't surprise me to see the Chiefs deal with a little bit more adversity this year. You know, obviously, you know, I'm not going to like predict injuries, but, you know, say some stuff happens like Tyreek Hill, like how dominant is that yeah. offense still um, if you take him out for three or four games, for example. So I do think that, you know, I'm not like, oh, Kansas City, you know, they're not my Super Bowl pick. Um, you know, not like you would be an idiot if you did. But, um, you know, in terms of the the kind of question at hand, you know, I would probably gear towards over just because of that home field advantage they have with Arrowhead. But it wouldn't surprise me overall to see a little bit of regression the last, that we've seen in the last two years from Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i not going to sit here and tell you the Chiefs are, like, in trouble or anything like that. But Ryan points out really good points. Like, Behind Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, they are perhaps the thinnest skill position team in the NFL. Like, well, there's some bad teams. That, that, that's that's <laughs> a stretch. We're, we're gonna I'm gonna no, call that. No, no, but think, cap, but think about it. Think about it. Think about it. I don't think that's cap. If they lose Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, I mean, if you who, take anyone's top relying, two skill guys who, off their team, you know, right? But bad. who are you? Who at that point? Who are you relying on? And you're your relying on Patrick. Mahomes I mean, they'll use Edward Delair a lot. Yeah, or, or they'll add I know, I know. weapons. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying they're a little bit thinner this year than they have been in past years. Sure. You, they used to be able to rely on, like, Sammy Watkins and whatever. But like, well, but you can also say, on the other hand, they've upgraded that. the offensive line, for example. That's a very, very massive help to them actually having some consistent guys rather than relying on players that are always hurt. Yeah, so there, there, are, there, are, there are two sides to all of this. Like, it's, it's a tough – I, and I mean, you as a Broncos fan, you're not going to give me like, you're not going to give me like, oh yeah, the Chiefs, they're, they're washed. I know that you, you have respect for the Chiefs because you play them twice a year and you know how. No, no. And I'm not saying they're bad. I, I really am not. I'm just saying, I, I, I'm trying to more echo what Ryan was saying. Like they are, they're, they're a team that like what they've done over the past few years has been insane. They're due for like a little bit of regression. Yeah. Which like, is fair. I still think they're going to like, to me, their four is 12 games. Like that's for four. Like that if things go terribly wrong, they're gonna win twelve games. Twelve and five. Yeah. Which would be a fine season. Put them very, very firmly in the playoffs. Yeah. Um two teams that will not be in the playoffs, you know, probably our Eagles and our Giants. Probably. Uh, So both the Eagles and Giants are now at six and a half wins. That's their over under currently. Um I think the Giants are probably more likely to hit the six and a half mark than the Eagles are just seeing where the organizations are the Giants actually want to win the Eagles maybe (laughs) if Jalen Hurts is good maybe but uh, they're both very very heavy underdogs to miss the playoffs I I don't have any argument with this but I just I'm sure you have less of an argument than I do it's like me as a Giants fan I should be like sort of excited because they they did things in the offseason kind of sort of but like right man it's like it's tough when you're sitting a Giants, Eagles, and Broncos fan. The Broncos fan is probably the best odds to make the playoffs by like yes. a significant amount. Oh. Like, how did that? How did this happen? How Don't did even here? say that. But that's it, it's what the, it's what Vegas says. Vegas has you at eight and a half wins and a minus one forty five to miss the playoffs. So you'd be like a plus one twenty to make the playoffs. I already like, tricked myself into it. I already think they're going to make the playoffs, but I know that's the stupidest thing I'm going to say on this podcast. I think who's going to win the court? Who's going to be the win the court of that job? What are we thinking? Like who? If you, I think they're both playing some games this year. Bridgewater and Locke. I think there's no way you start Bridgewater because like it's hard to go from Bridgewater to Drew Locke because that if Drew Locke doesn't pan out, then you're like, okay, so we're just screwed either way. And like, are we really going to give this like oh like? three and 17 back to Teddy Bridgewater like is that really something we want to do but wasn't that 
the expectation like, when they got Teddy? Wasn't that like the, the concession that, oh, this No, be- I think the expectation when they got Teddy was legitimately this. Was legitimately George Payton saying, okay, I believe I need to see more from Drew Locke. I think no matter what, Drew Locke starts week one. Yeah. Because it's so much easier to transition and say, okay, Drew Locke, you have an extremely easy first three games with the Jets, the Giants, and the Jaguars. If they somehow end up something terrible, like 0-3, and they're not competitive in any of those games, then it's so easy to give a job to Teddy Bridgewater and say, hey, whatever happens, the rest of the way happens. Whereas what I was saying earlier is you give Teddy those job, that job and he starts something like 1-4, and four, and you're like, oh, my God. Teddy Bridgewater is actually not that good, which is a real possibility. Oh, we know. And then you go to Drew Locke, and Drew Locke sucks, and suddenly you're there at two and eight, and you're like, okay, Drew Locke's not playing well. Do we think, do we give the offense back to Teddy and see if we go on some crazy run, or do we just stick with Drew Locke the rest of the way? It's just so much easier to go to Drew Locke first and then go to the veterans second. Um, and also, um, I know the preseason doesn't matter, but like he did legitimately show signs of being a little bit better in the first preseason game. Yeah, like yeah. like yeah. he went, like the amount of time, like a huge thing last year, like so basic. Quarterbacks have to go through progressions. Drew Locke just did not do progressions last year. And in this Vikings game, you saw him three times look at three different wide receivers while the play was developing. That's fair. And, like, if he can do that, like, then he can be an average quarterback because the Broncos – like, the Broncos – and, I mean, I really don't think I'm crazy to say this. The Broncos – the Broncos, if you take out the quarterback, are a top 10 NFL roster easily. We're not doing that though. You need a quarterback. Yeah, right. Right. But I'm saying position on the field. Right. But I'm saying if Drew Locke can be average, he was the worst quarterback in the NFL last year. Like down there with Daniel Jones. Like if he can be like 15 to 18, like they have a good enough defense and they have enough offensive pieces that they will win nine to ten games who, who's more likely as enough. quarterback to be between 15 and 18 drew lock or teddy bridgewater because i would say teddy bridgewater is probably the most likely to be average like an average starter no i watched i don't know teddy bridgewater just seems like i don't know rk what do you got give me an yeah i think uh on drew lock i think eric actually made a really good point because definitely when i was scouting drew lock out of missouri i was always like this guy can't mentally process a defense like he would backpedal into a sack 15 yards so if he is he actually, he does love to backpedal. Yeah, that is true. Things where he, he loves to think he's Patrick Mahomes. Progressions, then sure, you know, I, I think he has a higher ceiling than Teddy Bridgewater does with some of his ability. But having said that, Drew Locke is also not, you know, necessarily like the smartest quarterback. So there's going to be a game where he throws like six interceptions and then they bench right. him and put in Teddy Bridgewater. So we'll see like week 14 when that happens, maybe sooner. So that's what I'll say on Drew Locke. I think Bridgewater, kind of to Eric's point, it's like, yeah, lower ceiling, but he's a little bit safer player. Doesn't really turn the ball over, you know, throw the ball short. 
So sure. Some, maybe if you can throw the ball underneath, get it to KJ Hamler, get it to Portland Sutton underneath, let them kind of do some things after the catch. You have a little bit of a chance, but I think the Broncos overall, you know, pretty mid team. I think they're, they've kind of been who they are the last couple of years. I think that, um, you know, they're, they're probably in a situation a year from now where they're like, well, we could kind of move on from this and trade up for a quarterback in the draft. So um, the fact that we're already like, well, they kind of got two quarterbacks. If you have two quarterbacks, you got none. That's what everybody says. That, so, that's very true. That, that's kind of how I see the situation with, uh, with the Broncos this year. Yeah. I mean, all, all those points are fair. I, I see them as a team between like, eight and nine and 10 and seven. I really think it'd be super tough for them to like completely fall apart just because yeah. of how, how good the defense, defense is. They do yeah. really and Vic Fangio is one of the best defensive coordinators and he's their head coach. So there yeah. you go. Well, I think the only issue with that is, you know, if, if they, they have to play the division well to even consider being a 10 win team and, you know, that's always tough again, you know, it's like if Kansas City regressed a little bit, you know, not sold on yeah. Vegas. No, that's, that's where the concern with Teddy comes in because you can't roll out Teddy and play Patrick Mahomes. Like that just won't work. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're looking for like the, the, the ceiling thing, I guess I'd rather have Drew Locke in a game against Mahomes potentially put up 400 yards rather yeah. than Teddy Bridgewater. Throw but you got a way lower floor with Drew Locke. Yeah. Way lower. Right. And, and then it's like the Chiefs defense, you know, really not, really not bad. So pretty, pretty good solid unit there. Um, yeah, I, I guess that that's all we had to cover there. You know, obviously the Giants and Eagles, like we've talked about it. It's it's not that fun. It's yeah. there's, there's the not much entire to- NFC East is so mid. It's the, the it's going to be such a classic NFC East year again, where like it's like week eight, and we're like, is any team in this division actually good? And the answer is no. They're all none of them are. There. I've seen well, so many people. Just one one last thing for for me here. I've seen so many people say Dak Prescott's going to win MVP this year. Dak Prescott's going to. If Dak Prescott plays this season, I'll be shocked. Like if he plays the entire season without any issues and then wins MVP, I would be sitting there first. That line is not very good. They kind of just neglect. And their defense stinks. Like who cares? Like they're gonna win six games, seven games. You know, people love the Cowboys because they're they love their linebackers. (laughs) I I I just Eric loves the Cowboys. I love the Cowboys. I love Uh, the Cowboys this year. I'm one of those people. What I like about the Cowboys is their skill guys. Like I think even like CeeDee Lamb and Tony Pollard are kind of younger guys that could I love Dak too, though, because if Dak stays healthy, like they have a good old line and to Donnie's point. The, the defense they just only invested Bro, last year and they took Micah Parsons like you don't have a secondary so uh, last year their defense was so pitiful all the time it wasn't just like a like a consistent they got season. Dan Quinn that's a good defensive coordinator hire I actually wanted the Eagles to get him but I mean the Cowboys like like I'm saying with, with the with the line of scrimmage like that that was one of their strengths like that one year when they were actually really good Dak's rookie year and they just have not addressed O-line enough since so that's why I kind of am hesitant on them, but I mean, again, even like Washington, Washington won the division last year. Like, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick's leading your team. Like all these teams are so mid. It's such a classic NFC East year. All right, Donnie. I, I, I want to, I want to throw a curveball at you. I'm waiting. Um, okay. <laughs> Sitting back. So I just want to like, I want to go, you know me, I have something to say about literally every team in yes. the NFL. So I want to go other leagues. I want to go through like each division and you pick, a team and maybe you and RK can go back and forth and I'll just tell you a take I have about them. And that's how we'll wrap up this. All right. For, we're starting with the, we're starting with the AFC East and we're starting with the Miami dolphins and Tua. I want you, I want, what do you think about Tua? Is he, is he mid, is he bad? Like I've seen so many people say that Tua is going to bust 
I don't understand. Like, what, what did he do? Why I did anybody hate him? I think it's so dumb. I think that the idea of that, like, why do people hate this? The kid idea so much? that, He's like, God. like, like, this is a big thing on Broncos Twitter. Like, people are like, "Oh, Drew Luck, like." we've seen enough of him. Like he's played 18 games and you can say, I, I will point out on that one. Like that's not a big sample size, but like with Tua, it's even less. He played what? Like six full games last year. The fifth big like, overall. Like, how are you going? How are you going to judge a guy off of six games where sometimes he didn't even get to play the whole game? It wasn't even that bad. Too. Like give him like, to me, this is his rookie season. Like, Let's see what he is this year. It, I have, it's absolutely the truth. I, I have n- no real thoughts on the Dolphins because I just don't know what two is going to be. I hope he's good. I know what he needs to do more of. Like, they weren't aggressive at all last year. And, like, Tua was good in college because he was aggressive. And they just didn't have a deep passing game last year. But they no, go out serious. and they get Jalen Waddle. But now there are problems with that because – Will Fuller has apparently picked up an injury and a suspension. Jalen Waddle has picked up an injury and and is like struggling through camp. Like, I think this is going to be that it, it might be a pretty tough wide receiving core this year for them because I think both Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle might be the same guy injury wise, which is just not a good thing. And uh, you know, the defense will be good as they were last year. Every year you look at the Dolphins and you that Brian Flores has been there, and I have kind of had the same opinion a lot of people have, like, oh, this roster isn't very good. And every year they outperform it. So I think they're going to be good. And it wouldn't shock me if they made the playoffs, but I don't think I'd pick them as a playoff team right now. Yeah, that's good analysis. Yeah, that's, that's, I'm good with that. Uh, I guess we can move on to another AFC, the North. Um who wins the North? What are we thinking? Yeah, I, I want to hear some Ryan thoughts too because I, I know he's deep in this. But Eric, who's winning the yeah. AFC North and, and why? Like, what did they do to, to put themselves above everybody else? Uh, who's winning? Ryan, what do you think? I want to give a Ryan. Yeah, this is interesting. I feel like it, this is an interesting division to me because I still have no idea what to think of the Cleveland Browns. Like, they were good last year, but, like, they were shit forever before that. Like, are they any good? I really don't know still. Like, yeah, I feel like they're kind of turning a corner, but, like, I mean, wow. Like, I, I, I'm still just unsure on kind of where my thoughts are with the Browns. So, I think for that reason, I think it's kind of be, you know, like, I mean, the Steelers and the Ravens are still really good, too. Like, I've always kind of been a fan of the Ravens. Like, I think they do a really nice job. I feel like John Harbaugh is a really good coach. And I mean, Lamar Jackson is always really fun to watch too. So it's definitely a really competitive division. And, and you also have the Bengals there with Burrow coming back. Um, should be kind of fun. Some weapons there with uh, Jamar Chase and uh, Tyler Boyd and whatnot. But um, I, I I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant on the Browns. I think gut feeling is kind of like the Steelers. Like I like that they got Najee Harris and like they were really good last year. They do when, it every year. Yeah. Like, like Ben Roethlisberger. It's like, oh, this is his last year. Like, I don't know. Ben Roethlisberger is still yeah, his last year was six years ago, and he's yeah, still—he's like, he's not I, great, I like but he's fine. Have kind of just like a good structure. I like the receivers and and their defense as well has been pretty solid. I like Mika Fitzpatrick, T.J. Watt, you know, guys like that. I, I think are solid. So, um, I mean, I think this is a really really good competitive division overall. But um, I, I think I'm just kind of like I don't know what to think of the Browns, so I'm not going to pick them. And and I like the Steelers and Ravens. So I mean, I go with the Steelers as uh, as my pick to win that division. But I mean, it, it's really competitive for sure. Yeah, I think 
that I'm kind of past the whole don't believe in the Browns because of Barbara Browns thing. I think Kevin Stefanski has proven himself to be a good coach. I think the reason you saw Baker have such a different year from the first half to the second half was because Kevin Stefanski basically figured out, okay, I can't play him like you play a normal quarterback. I'm just going to give him play action and let him, you know, do that. And I mean, you can say that all you want. You can say, okay, Baker's limited. He's only good in play action. Well, if Kevin Stefanski designs the offense around that, then the offense is still going to be pretty good. Yeah, very I'll good never, offense. I'll never buy into Odell Beckham there. That's one thing. I'll never buy into Odell Beckham there because until I see it, because every year, even the years he was healthy, he's come there and people have been like, oh my God, Odell Beckham and Baker Mayfield. And it has like never been a duo that's impressed me. Which is but, sad because it should be good. But their defense is absolutely loaded at literally every single level. Miles Garrett, if he is healthy, should be the defensive player of the year. Um, he is otherworldly insane, as good as Aaron Donald when he's healthy. I truly believe that as a as a pass rusher. Jadavian Clowney has never been a huge numbers guy, but he's a good depth piece to have. Sure. And he's never played on a defense this talented. Um their linebackers, they draft Jeremiah Wusser Kormoa. A lot of people love him. And I mean, their secondary is just loaded. Denzel Ward is constantly an all pro at this point. And they bring in Greg Newsom's going to be like competing for like, yeah, their they third, get back from injury last year. They're like third corner. Like their defense is going to be so good this year. Like they're loaded at every position. And um, I think that they end up, winning the division mainly because the Ravens like ha- already have a ton of injury concerns. Rashad Bateman might not be ready for week one. Yeah, and, if, and if they don't have him, they're thin at wide receiver again, Lamar Jackson, like, I, I don't want to make this political, but like he does refuse to get vaccinated. And like, he has already gotten COVID twice. Like there is nothing that says in December, he doesn't get COVID again. And misses like three games and then especially because you know i've heard that it, when it gets cold the delta variant could it could go it and could then, go hard and then you're starting utah legend tyler huntley who like i love <laughs> tyler huntley but like he's not gonna like that i don't think he's gonna make you a, a super bowl contender like especially in the, the division it's tough the rate this is a super tough division I used to be high on the Bengals and then I like read everything out of Bengals camp and everything. I, I don't know if you've seen Ms. Ryan, but everything out of Bengals camp is negative. Everything. They're like Joe Burrow cannot get a throw off without pressure in his face. I've seen, seen that quite a lot of that. He's missing yeah. Jamar Chase constantly. Like they don't have an offensive line. He's going to get hit a ton again this year. And they basically totally misdrafted. Yeah. I think that there's a potential that things go super terribly and Zach Taylor gets fired like midseason. Hmm. And I mean, the fair, I mean, in that division, I mean, it, it's very fair. And I agree yeah. with that analysis for sure that the Bengals should have gone O line. Yeah. Instead and, of picking Jamar Chase. And I mean, <laughs> the team that is the biggest mystery to me, period, is just the Steelers. Because I'm with you, Ryan. Like, if, if Ben's like, if Ben is Drew Brees post, like, Oh, if no. Ben is like 20, 
2018 to 2019 Drew Brees, which is still like a solid mid-range yeah, game. A Hall of Fame old quarterback. Who can move the ball. They're a playoff team because the defense is good enough and they're stacked at wide receiver and Najee Harris is going to be yeah. good. Like they are a, a locked in playoff team. They were a great like, team last year and then they just kind of fell off at the but end. But like, I don't know. I keep like the game I've watched the most on game pass this off season is that Brown's playoff game. And oh my God, Ben Roethlisberger looked like he was just done. Like every single throw was off. He looked like late era Peyton Manning. Well, the season's is, grueling for any player, especially older players, I, like I, older I, quarterbacks. Who, he's not in good shape. It's like, he's, he's. Bulky. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think there's going to be three teams out of this division for the playoffs. I think it's likely just going to be the Ravens and the Browns. Fair. Uh, we can move on to the AFC South. Is there a team in the AFC South that can win the Super Bowl? Yes. The Titans can win the Super Bowl. The Titans can legitimately <laughs> win the Super Bowl. Ryan I think Tan- that's, a, that's a fair – I think uh, if there was a team, it would be the Titans. Yes. yes. Absolutely. I, I, absolutely. I yeah. Um, and I they've mean, been in the playoffs a lot and have had a little bit of success. But I'm still not like the Titans are winning the Super Bowl. Like I'm not there. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, you can say it's coaching, and maybe it is. He's good for them. Again, he's a play-action guy, and if they keep running play-action – Last year, there were stretches for most of the year that I believe he was a top five NFL quarterback. Yeah. And then you're you just Derek Henry behind then, you. You can look pretty good. And then you're giving him AJ Brown, who is like one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL. He's same draft class as DK, probably better than DK, in my opinion. Yeah, college teammates. And like you then you're adding Julio Jones, which Julio's never stayed healthy for a, a full year for like ever, it seems like. But and the defense is a huge question mark, which is strange yeah. to say because Mike Vrabel's the coach, but they always suck on defense. Yeah. And if their defense can be average and the offense can work, there's no reason they can't be in the AFC conference championship game. They're one of the four, they're one of my final four teams. Yeah. I just think I just think they're they're a talented enough roster to get there. I think that's really a good analysis. I agree with all that. All right, we'll move on to the last AFC division, the West. Who is the worst team in the AFC West? Who's going to finish at the bottom of the division? Because it's not the Broncos in your head. So, uh, you know, who who we got? There there is one clear answer here. I'll say that. I think it's like it has to be the Raiders because they have holes everywhere. I mean, there are reports coming out of their camp that they really like what they have on defense, but. What they have on defense is Max Crosby, who regressed last year, Yannick Ngakwe, who never did anything with the Vikings or Ravens last year, Corey Littleton, who was bad last year, Nick Kwiatkowski, who was bad last year. Basically, they returned their entire linebacking core, which was the worst linebacking core in the NFL. You have major questions at corner because now it, from what I'm reading from the athletic, like Damon Arnett isn't even startable, according to the reports coming out of yeah, the Yeah, that was camp. a terrible pick. Like, so you're counting on Trayvon Mullen, who is bad, and who else? Like, you bring it, like, I guess Carl Joseph, he's always okay. People like to hype him up, but, like, he's a hit. He's a box safety. Like, okay. Well, and the best part is you haven't even mentioned the offense, which you really never know what you're getting out of the offense, period. Yeah, I will Derek say Carr, this. Right? I'll, de- I'll defend the offense. I'll defend Derek Carr. 
Derek Carr had the best year of his career last year, and people just slept on it because the Raiders. Well, I don't think that was the best year of his career. It's, right? it's not that bad. No, it, no. It if you go look, pass. if you go back and you look at that year where he breaks his leg, the numbers are like the same. Like the the league has just changed so much, Ryan, from that first time to this time. Like the first time around, it felt like he was a top offensive weapon in the league, period. But now, but because the NFL has transitioned to like this. You have to be a freak to be considered like a top five NFL quarterback. Like he'll never get there. But like, if you put him in the NFL five years ago, he'd be a top 10 NFL quarterback. Pre the Mahomes era, he is a top five NFL quarterback. He is good at his job. He operates with limited weapons. And I think for as much as John Gruden gets shit on for being a bad GM, which he should be, (laughs) <laughs> the offense has always been competitive when he's there. And even though they lose Nelson Aguilar, which is a big deal because he was like their number one target outside of yep. Darren Waller last year, Brian Edwards has been getting rave reviews. I like Brian camp, Edwards a lot. Yeah. And I like Brian Edwards. And people were high on Henry Ruggs. And Henry Ruggs, I just, we just don't know what he is because he was injured most of last year mm-hmm. and he just didn't play. And I think there's a chance that. I don't like Josh Jacobs. I think he's underrated as a, and he's overrated as a running back. He doesn't contribute anything in the passing game. I don't agree with the move for Kenyon Drake because we, you're going to solidify your running game with another running back who was really bad last year. Like, I, I don't, I don't understand That's that. That's kind of how that works. It seems like everybody does that. I, I don't understand that, but like, they're one of these teams when I talk about like my obsession with going on playoff predictor, like every time I do it, they end up with like one or two wins. And I, I just know deep down in my heart that even though they're the worst in the division, they're going to win like five or six games this year. Like they're, they're going to be competitive and they'll probably knock off some big teams, but they're, they're the worst team in the division. Ryan, yeah. do we agree? I agree with that. Yeah. I think, uh, I think they're the worst team in this division. I think the Broncos are a little bit better. And then even the chargers, I think uh, you bring Herbert back. I think that offense gives them a little bit more juice. Donnie knows me. Donnie knows me. I love the chargers and I always love the chargers, but I just love the chargers more this year. I believe every single year that they fix the offensive line, but this year I truly believe they fix the <laughs> offensive line. Yes, and, so I know, and I know I'll keep being wrong. I know it, but one of these years they have to get it right. And if they get it right this year, Justin Herbert is legitimately one of the most electrifying quarterback. Types. I like Herbert a lot. And like, if he, Keenan Allen's Mike Williams put it together, they discovered some depth when Austin Eckler went down last year. I think they've got a fairly deep backfield. Uh, They're going to struggle in the pass rush. Losing Melvin Ingram hurt them a lot. I really thought they should have re-signed him. It's going to be Joey Bosa and a bunch of guys that have really got to step up. And then the other thing is Brandon Staley is a Vic Fangio disciple. Vic Fangio defenses, that Rams defense last year, all depend on the safety. And if Derwin James is healthy, what we saw from Derwin James's first year was like a Hall of Fame safe. And if he's healthy... And he's Derwin James, like that defense is going to be awesome because Brandon Staley's a good coach. And I think they, I'm not crazy. I'm not going to pick them to win the division, but if we're sitting here in December, when I force my way on this podcast and they're winning this division, I'm not going to be surprised. I'm just first off, first off, I think they could be a sleeper team, but I don't think they win the division. That's that's not the playoffs, though. Um, 
you know, I'm just going to leave that there because that's just, that's such a ludicrous statement to say that in December they're going to be leading, but um, we'll go over, to, we'll go to a division that is not nearly as competitive in the NFC, NFC East. We talked about a little bit more. Yeah. Is, is there any reason to even like care about the NFC East? Cause I personally think as a fan of the NFC East, a, a team in the NFC East, I think we can have four teams that win seven or seven less games. Again. Yeah. It's the win. NL East. We talked about it earlier. Yeah. I, I don't like Eric, do you even have anything to say, like, on top of what we've already said? Like, obviously, you know, you love Dak. Like, great. Yeah. Good, well, good for you, man. Like, listen, man, I I don't understand people who say this. And I'm not calling either of you to task here. This does not apply to you two because I know you two love football. But, like, if you're a football fan and you say, oh, I can't find anything interesting with this division, you're just not looking at the division and you're like you don't care enough and i respect you less because it depends if you're a football purist and and you watch the cowboys you're gonna sit there like why the fuck is every game 48 47 like oh dude so one the cow okay i'll just run through i i have one interesting thing for each team the cowboys they (laughs) they're they're they are going to be my number one game pass team because I love watching shootouts on game pass and every, because that's going to throw 65 times a game. Yeah. You're absolutely correct. It's going to be 42, 45 every week. And it's going to be a coin toss every week. And it's going to be fun. And I like fun. And I like the Cowboys, the Washington football team too. I think that they did won the off season, like hands down. What? Bringing, bringing in Curtis Samuel. I like Dynamic Brown as a wide receiver. Antonio Gibson's going to blow up in his second year. They're going to use him like Christian McCaffrey. He was awesome last year. Right. They have the best defense in the NFL, and they can easily go ten and six and make the playoffs. They are they are the team that I'm most <laughs> and I believe in Ryan Fitzpatrick this year. I just oh, God. the Eagles until week six. The Eagles, I don't understand the hate for Jalen Hurts. I've never yes. watched. I, I, I've never watched. Nice. I've only seen like a few of his games and I haven't gone back in depth to watch him. But like every time I watch him, I just feel like this guy's fine. Like he's fine. Yeah, like, he has the potential to be electric. We knew that, but it's like he, he, it's not like he's great right now. We're yeah, see I'll, I'll comment on fine. I'll comment on Jalen Hurts just because I've watched a lot of. Yeah, Jalen of course. Yeah, go for it. Like the thing with about Jalen Hurts for me is. Jalen Hurts is not the most talented quarterback. He's not the most polished passer. He's not going to go out there and wow you with, you know, a 80-yard throw down the field like like other quarterbacks that have entered the league recently have. But what you're getting with Jalen Hurts is a player who is just adept to handling adversity. Like, he's so good at overcoming challenges. Like, you, you, you follow his college career. Like, he was benched for Tua. And then there was a situation where he now needs to come back in in the SEC championship game and leads a comeback against Georgia. Like, that, that's just the kind of player that Jalen Hurts is. Like, he's going to be there through difficult times. And last year was a really weird situation for the Eagles. Like, they didn't really have any offensive line. And they kind of just threw Hurts out there on a terrible team after Wentz couldn't do anything. But Jalen Hurts was still able to at least get some kind of a team and an offense going, like as a rookie. So I think what Jalen Hurts is going to do is continue to improve throughout the course of his career. I think that's something that you really can kind of count on with him as a player. And even if he does have some issues where he can be a slow processor at times or not while you with the incredible accuracy on a consistent basis, I do think that he offers you a lot as an athlete, as a as a professional quarterback um, that you can have success around him. 
I think that's fair, honestly, from somebody who like does not want to admit the Eagles might have something. Like, I mean, like, I wouldn't be shocked if it's, it seems like a great pick at this point, especially because you know you don't get quarterbacks like yeah, he can't do it by himself. They yeah. got to surround him with with some help. The O line's got to protect him better, and um, the, the skill position players have to be better as well. You know, Jalen Rager in his, in his second year, and Devonte Smith, you had him as well. You got some young receivers, but yeah. you got to be able to to find a way to to muster up an offense. I mean, don't get me wrong, I think. The Eagles are going to suck again. Every time I do playoff predictors, they come They're out with one, they come out with one or two wins for me. But I know that's not. But I know that's not true because they're just going to be better than that. They're going to be competitive. The deep, They're going to have six or seven wins at least. The defense sucks. I'm interested to see if anyone emerges on that side of the ball. I feel like they're old there. And be no keep, one. And it feels like they just need a total reboot there. But I mean. I generally like the offense. I think Miles Sanders yeah. is underrated by a lot of people. Same with Dallas Goddard. I, you know, I like, yeah, he's a great, he's like a top. RK five loves Dallas Goddard. Goddard. He's really he's, RK dude, loves Dallas Goddard. I don't know if you've, uh, you got to watch some Dallas Goddard, Donnie, because he's electric. Like when I don't have an issue with Dallas Goddard. I had him in fantasy last year, hoping that he'd do something. It never really yeah, happened. He's you know, an underrated player. No, he he's, yeah. he's inconsistent, which is his problem. But when he goes, like he's, one of the best tight ends in the league. Yeah. Like he's just great. Aaron. And for me, the Giants, the Giants to me That's are like ask. Giants, Donnie brother, welcome to the club. I feel like we root for identical teams at this point. Like the Giants are an awesome roster. You're gonna I have a fun it. defense and the offense to be bad. Like we don't I believe I believe in the defense. You have great offensive weapons too. I love Darius Slayton. I love the fact you drafted Kadarius Tony, even though I know he's dealing Kenny Galladay. He's dealing with an injury. Kenny Galladay also dealing with an injury. By the way, every single rookie wide receiver, like in camp, is dealing with like terrible things. So like maybe just it, fantasy wise. Fantasy-wise, I'm not drafting a rookie wide receiver this year. I'm just not. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll pick him up from the waiver wires, but like, I, I'm. I'm just not doing it in my redraft leagues. Um, but Giants. I mean, I. I really do think like Daniel Jones comes up in his average uh-huh. this year. But the thing gonna, is, like, they'll, they'll compete. They'll be there's like a, an there's eight a lot of moving parts. There's too many moving parts, and and the offensive line was actually it's actually gonna be worse than it was last yes, year. And it was that's already a the problem. worst unit. That it was is like a, a bottom three unit in the league will, last year. And, Yes, Donnie. You As right. somebody the offensive like, line is terrible. Believe, I, I want to believe in the young players, but like when you're believing uh, young offensive line, it doesn't go well most of the time. Like we've established most of the time, young offensive line it doesn't usually work out. And it's like this is the, not only a young offensive line; it's like sixth rounders that Dave Gettleman is like, oh, that guy's big, <laughs> and he's like, okay, so he's like, he's either left guard now, and it's like it goes from there. But like it's really whatever. Um, we'll move on to the NFC North here, Eric. Are the Chicago Bears a playoff team? And if they're not, are you happy the Giants are going to get their first-round pick this year? What are we thinking? I mean, I mean, well, I, I'm fine insulting these people. Bears Twitter is just the worst. It's awful. I mean, I don't know if you guys have any experience with Bears Twitter. Yes. Like I follow Bears, the case, like, Bears, Bears Twitter is, like, the worst. They're just the most delusional people in the world, and they're also – they either are way too high on their team or they hate everything and nothing you can say can make them feel better. And they think they, that you hate them and they think everything is stacked <laughs> against them. So fuck bears Twitter. I'm going to say that. That's fine. But with it. I want to, I want to like the bears. I want to like this Justin Fields team, but like anyone. Thinking no, it's, 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 hey, be- hey, 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 it's Andy Dalton's team. It's Andy like, Dalton's team. For now. 
they're, how dare you? They're not. You? They are no matter what. They're. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team this year. But that's just because they're like. I agree. In the midst of a reload, basically, like yeah. the defense has fallen off year by year since they had that incredible team in 2018 or whatever, and like. It's going to continue. I mean, to just... incredible team. They lost a, their first playoff right. game at all. That, yeah. that is true, but for them, it was incredible. It was. But, they, but, they look sort of good. Fine, like, yeah. Bears Twitter looks at that team, and they're like, oh, my God, that, those were the good old days. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, right, like uh, yeah. So, but, like, I mean, I've – one, I think Khalil Mack was slightly overrated last year. I thought he fell off a little bit. He's got more to give I'll, than he had last I'll be, year. I'll right. be interested if he – picks it back up a little bit this year the secondary i think is good um i like i like jalen johnson i i really do think yeah i like jalen johnson as well i really do think that i do really think that he can step up and replace kyle fuller um i the offense i mean i'm excited to see what Allen robinson looks like with a real quarterback because quite frankly we've just never seen i agree it's gonna be really excited to see Andy Dalton throw passes. Yeah, you know. Um, no, no. <laughs> Until but he, even honestly, I think but, uh, but even, too is a, is an underrated receiver. Robert. But even like, let's break this down. Like, even if Andy Dalton is throwing passes down, I don't. Don't you dare! Game. Don't don't you dare tell me that Andy Dalton's leading the playoffs. I don't want to hear it. But Andy Dalton is like five times better than Blake Bortles or Mitch Trubisky ever were. Ah, correct. You know, I don't better, think that's but a, maybe not five. Think, five times than the, the Trubisky was bad. He was really bad, but the only I'm reason just, he was hated I'm on so much this no matter who starts, Allen Robinson is going to have the best quarterback of his career. And if Allen Robinson is as good as everybody who likes to geek out on all twenty-two says he is, he is really good. Then he's going to have a great year. Yeah, and Fair. but I I think they finished the same area that the Giants, the Broncos, all these teams finish. They're going to finish like eight and nine to nine and eight. Like wild card race. Anything. It's, it's a sad reality. Anything, anything lower than seven for the Bears, I'd be shocked. And I think either way, you got to fire Matt Nagy um, and Ryan Pace this offseason and just start a fresh. Well, I don't think that's that. happening, though. The issue think with that, that is you just drafted your quarterback of the future, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah I still it's, think it's, they can fight. Maybe pay. I, I've heard that from Bears people too, but like I have a hard time thinking the Hallis family or whoever owns that crap organization. Yeah, Virginia McGaskin. Like yeah. I have a problem. Like if that happens, like okay, then just blame your owner and just say they're the worst owner in the NFL because like yeah, if they. Fun. If they go less than eight wins this year, then something's not going right, and you need a new regime. So, and, uh, and you're going to be exactly the number one. And you're going to be the number one draw because you have Justin Fields. You're going to have your first pick. I'll tell you exactly whatever that. offensive genius you want. So they'll start off the season like four and four. Fields will take over, and then they'll end the season like four and five, five and four. And everybody yeah. be like, okay, so they looked okay under Fields. They did the same thing, and then everybody keeps their jobs like they've kept the last three years, even though they haven't. No, nope, I don't better. think that happens. I really do think it's, it's playoffs. I, I'm a dot. I, I yeah, promise I you, I'm telling you exactly what's going to happen, and I'm going to come back to this in, in 26 nope, You're weeks. right. You are right, but it's dumb, and I refuse to believe in I, dumb. It, well, the thing is, no. the NFL, a lot of things are dumb. Bill O'Brien like literally ran a team into the ground. A, a playoff. I know, coach. but I, I, I just like to Adam Gase ran the Jets. I know. Like, I know. I just like to refuse to believe that, like, um, that 
the Bears are going to be unwatchable forever. At some point, they're going to get it right and get like no, I'm not, not unwatchable. Like we're talking, the Lions are probably unwatchable. The Lions are, are pretty close to unwatchable this year, but like I, I, Lions you know, and Lions, another team with the Texans, where I think the Lions are much better than the Texans. If the Lions won seven games, I wouldn't be shocked. I just wouldn't. Be. The, are the Lions going to be better than last year? The Lions lost Galladay and Marvin Jones. I don't the know. Answer no. The answer is no. The answer, yeah, Jared Goff can't throw the ball in the first place. Imagine like like it's. And, and then, you know, you know, we'll just come off quickly. Green Bay is going to win the division. We knew that. There's no doubt there. No, nobody's probably really Minnesota will be close. No, I, I've come down. I on hate them. Kirk Cousins. So I've heard a lot of mixed things about that. I hate Kirk so, Cousins. I still think they're solid. So I hate Kirk Ryan, Cousins. I, I talked with, I don't know if you follow him on Twitter, but Daniel House, who's like big on Vikings Twitter, like one of their top kind of blog guys. I just had him on Endzone recently, and he was like, I didn't know they're like the one team I just ignored this off season. And I know it, it does range from people being like really high on them, but he pointed out like they're thin everywhere. Like an injury or two is going to doom them. And the fact Kirk Cousins is your guy and also unvaccinated. And I, I just, I, I would be personally shocked if the Vikings are a playoff team. I think the only team in this division that's worth anything big picture wise is the Packers. And I, I really, as do it's think, been for the last couple of years, I really do think it's under like all the bullshit aside from this off season with Aaron Rodgers, they should be considered like a heavy favorite to win the Super Bowl. They are, they added Amari Rodgers to a pretty good wide receiving core. I like Alan Lazard a lot. They've got good weapons. Aaron Rodgers is now in his third year with the Matt LaFleur offense, and he's gotten better every year in the offense. They're going to be better there. Their defense, they get rid of Mike Pettin. They still have a talented secondary. They still have Zadarius Smith, one of the better pass rushers in the NFL. Like, they are going to, to me, they're going to be there. They're going to be there at the end of the season in in, in that. Well, but you know, if you had NFC said that last game. year, at the beginning of the year, it would have been the same thing. You would have absolutely that. That's the that's how it's been for the last couple of years. I feel like with them. Yeah, no, I I know. I just want to state that it's still there, despite all the drama. Like there's there's still. Bro, the it's same just thing. It, the, before we move on. The one thing that bothers me more than anything is I, I watch a lot of Sports Center, mostly background noise. Not really something that I'm like totally like intrigued to, to watch. But they spend so much time bringing up stupid, like dumb storylines. Like, oh, is Aaron Rodgers going to be fit for the season? You think Aaron oh, Rodgers hasn't been working out in the offseason? You think Aaron Rodgers was just, yeah, he was just sitting there when he was, uh, he was holding out. No, he was just sitting there. He was eating KFC every day. Like, like no, no big deal. He's, he's, he's gained 70 pounds. Like, no, he looked, he looks fine. Like, I literally, there's pictures of him. He looks okay. Aaron Rodgers will be all right. It's just always a storyline. I think the Packers are solid. I don't think they make the Super Bowl um this year but i think they're a good team and then i guess my thoughts on the vikings is just like i like delvin cook so i feel like he always just kind of causes <laughs> issues sometimes so that's kind of why i think they're decent but i don't know that that division like i i i'm i it's hard to kind of for me to kind of make up what i think it is like um i don't, I don't <laughs> think the, uh, the team that wins the super bowl is coming out of the nfc north this year i mean maybe you could argue the packers but i don't think that they're you know super bowl level for but the- do you think the super bowl champions coming out of the nfc south no, I think it's NFC West. No, uh, that's fair. Yeah, you also, yeah, NFC but, South first, real quick. Yeah, you know, yeah. you obviously have things to say. Um, I don't want to hear anything about Atlanta. That's all I'll say. I think Atlanta is very bad. Really? Because uh, that's, 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 that's the actually the one thing I'll say. Uh, if we're going from a gambling angle, 
look at the odds for Kyle Pitts for rookie of the year. Because, I mean, there's quarterbacks that exist, dude. No, I know. But if he is as good as everybody in my draft industrial complex says he was, and I believe that they were right because I watched him at Florida, like, this is the one take on end zone pod that Trey's pushed back on the most. I think this is the hottest take I have. By the end of the year, we will be talking about him as the no doubt number one tight end in the NFL, period. That's end of not story. No one's even close. I, well, first off, there's going to be no dude. He is going, he is the fact that there's no Julio Jones. Could. He it is could. going to be their number one weapon. It is an Arthur Smith offense. They are going to use the play action. They are going to target the tight ends. He is going to have massive numbers with Calvin Ridley. They are going, they are, they are going to be a fun team to watch. They won't do anything. They won't make the playoffs, but they are going to be a Cowboys-esque team where they're in shootouts every single week and super fun to watch. Kyle Pitts, rookie of the year. That's my, that's my take. First off, saying he's going to be the best tight end in the league is going to be tough considering I think we have a couple very, very good Hall of Fame future tight ends in the league right now, including no, I, I think it, he's it going. Is, he's going to you know, elevate. He'll be so good that in like mid-November, not front, but like you'll hear the like dark horse third name they mention on Sports Center for MVP be Matt Ryan. They'll be like, oh, and don't forget what Matt Ryan's doing in Atlanta too. Like uh, that's how good Kyle Pitts is going. That's that's yeah, how good. I, he's I, I don't. Right, I don't. Right. I don't think Kyle I, Pitts I is think, making that. Ryan I think Eric's making some good points. I do think Pitts is good. I think one point for me though on why I don't think he's going to make Ricky there. I think tight end is actually a position where there is actually quite a different gap in terms of what you're going to be asked to do in the NFL versus college. Like Florida, a lot of times they were lining up Kyle Pitts out wide, you know, three by one sets. They were like, why, why wouldn't I don't necessarily, yeah, exactly. You should, but does that mean Atlanta's going to do it? Not necessarily. I think it will because Julio's gone. He's their Julio replacement. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe we'll see, you know, I I think that there will be just like a little bit of an adjustment period for Pitts getting the NFL. I don't know if, you know, all 17 games, you know, he's got like eight touchdowns through three games. I think it's going to take a little bit of time for him to really kind of get going, but I do I think I'm like more along I think it'll be a big part of the offense because it is very hard to adapt from playing college where he you're playing guys that are not at the physical level you're not playing yeah. guys at Tight that end, level. There's a big adjustment and I mean there are you know he's gonna he'll get roughed up a little bit obviously he's a specimen so it doesn't matter like he'll be fine he's but really good first off I don't think Matt Ryan's winning MVP um if there's going to be an MVP it'll be probably out of this division it'll probably be Tom Brady I think that's that's you know kind of how it goes sam darnold uh, yeah uh you know i, I love sam darnold It'll be better I but he, i, I hope he's fine i think carolina's gonna stink again you know just why wouldn't they um new orleans is interesting because you know two it's, quarterbacks it's funny. it's, it's yeah. funny like at, at that point but like I, I think this division is so mis- especially without drew Brees there it just feels it's weird, weird. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's it's there's something wrong with it um i guess we can shift to your who's winning the super bowl ryan tell me what were you thinking? Like Rams. I yeah, the Rams. You, you are, you know, that doesn't surprise me. And, you know, Eric may disagree here. Um, I, I'm almost on this train with Ryan solely because I think it just, it's just funny. Like, it, it has to happen eventually, right? Like, they are just so loaded. And, I mean, obviously, it's like they, they're going to struggle a little bit in the division because it's going to be – they're going to be dogfight games in that division from everybody. It's like even San Francisco yeah. could be could be semi-competitive, like, yeah. like every single they're game. like the Blue Jays. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, which is fine. It's like Arizona too. It's like is Kyler Murray an MVP candidate? Maybe. What do I know? Like, yeah. uh, it, it could be. I mean, so I, I don't we're think just Arizona... skip the the best division in football though. Yeah, I, I, the, the NFC South is not the best division in football. No, the NFC West is though. Yeah, but we're I'm, we're on that now. Are you? Are you? Okay, are you okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, um, I'm <laughs> a, I, I, I don't know who I've got winning it yet, but I'm with you. I think the Rams are a Super Bowl team. Bro, I mean, it's just the thing. Stafford, is so I think Matt Stafford. Really Matt Stafford's my pick for MVP. I just think oh, that, we can never really. Yeah, you, you 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 have money in on this, so you know. I, I just I just I was think, sad they lost Cam Akers, but I still think they're going to be really good. I I yeah, like they'll they'll figure it out. Daryl Henderson's fun. Like they they like they'll they'll get it together, and I mean, the one team I think that could challenge them is the Niners. I think people Not forget. Seattle. I, I I yeah, or Seattle. Um. Or even Arizona, they got JJ Watt. Yeah, no. I, 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 By I, the way, okay. I, I just want to get this out of the way. I here's one of my biggest takes. This, of the this land isn't coming, right? This I, yeah. I know exactly what's coming. Cliff Kingsbury is just by far one of the worst NFL coaches in the game right now. Period. End of story. He doesn't know how to call an NFL offense. A majority of his snaps last year. I went back and I cataloged this, Ryan. I went through the second half of last season. You know you how you, Ryan, you, like know, <laughs> you know the percentage. Uh, no, no, this is not animosity. I'm just fired up. You know the percentage of what I like to call the tunnel screen to nowhere, where, it, where he just throws it to the outside into unblocked, like just lets his wide receiver get smoked. Yeah. You know yeah. how many times he did that? I counted them. Every second down, like twenty five percent of his plays were tunnel screens to nowhere, yeah. and he doesn't even call a vertical passing attack for one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL. He's terrible at his job, and he should get fired if they don't make the playoffs, and they won't be making the playoffs because he sucks at his job. I cannot believe in the Arizona you know. Cardinals because. Cliff Kingsbury is the worst coach in the NFL and just get fired and go take the job at USC. That's where you belong. You, you're not you, <laughs> Alabama you're not, offensive coordinator. Yeah. That's you're not built for this. You're good. not built for this. You're you never won at Texas tech. You suck. Everybody just gave oh you all God. this hype. Cause you're, you're this guy, this I don't little think that genius this guy, man. but like, I, I, I'm just, I, I'm anti Cliff Kingsbury. I, I don't think that's even that he, off base. He's holding. He's holding Kyler Murray back. I truly believe that. See, that might be a little bit of a stretch, but yeah, yeah like... I think he's a good offensive mind, good offensive coordinator, not a good head coach. That's where I kind of am, am at with Cliff Kingsbury because I did think that they were going to be a lot better last season. Like they started good and then they just kind of lost some games toward the end of the year. I was like, what? Why did you lose that game? So I, and especially in that division, you know, you're going to have to be really good. So I think if there is a team that kind of maybe falters a little bit, it could definitely be Arizona in this division. So I don't think that's that off base, but I think he does call a decent game. I like that he throws the four wide receiver sets. That's definitely forward thinking, but yeah, he does do a lot of strings as well. You know, we've talked about Arizona time and time again. We're big Kyler Murray fans on this. Oh yeah. And it's just how it's going to be. And you can't oh, yeah, stop us. Great. I don't, Hopkins. Um, I hope you know, I, I hope I'm wrong. I really do because I think there is a chance. You usually that, are, so like that that's fine. if he <laughs> Arizona's like, winning it all. I think there's a chance <laughs> that if he's good, if if he gets it figured out, like Kyler Murray can throw for four thousand yards plus and rush for a thousand plus yards and win an MVP. Sure. It's just he's just that good. Like I 
I hope I'm wrong, but I think I'm right on this one. I just I, I don't like Cliff King, yeah. Kingsbury, and I think he's holding the whole okay organization back. Yeah. I think a lot of people feel the same way, honestly. It's like, you know, not really surprising. And would it shock me if he, like, changed his ways and turned into a decent coach? No, because, like, that happens, and he's got all the talent in the world to do it. So it's like – I can also see it going south, though. It's a good point. One guy who also interesting in this division, like – Pete Carroll, like the Seahawks basically have to be in the NFC title game or they have to fire Pete Carroll. That's going to be, that's going to be the ultimate, like <laughs> that's, 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 that's no, but wait, this is how it's going to like Russell Wilson set it up this off season. He said he was unhappy with the direction the franchise was going. He said, points out this, that, and the other, if they are not in the conference championship game or like in the Super Bowl, he's going to come out and he's going to say, okay, I want to trade. And he'll basically put out an ultimatum to that front office, to whoever the owner is, which is a huge question right now, and say, it's either Pete Carroll or it's me. And in that case, it's an absolutely obvious decision. And you fire Pete Carroll because he has legitimately made some of the worst offensive coaching hires in the past 10 years, over the past 10 years. And you get him out of there. And you let Russell Wilson have a hand in the coaching search and you reset and you continue being a dominant force or you stick with Pete Carroll like idiots and you trade Russell Wilson. I really do think it's one guy or the other unless they're in the NFC championship game and like very close to the Super Bowl. That's just how I see it playing out for the Seahawks. I haven't necessarily heard anything about a rift between Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll to the point where he would say, "Oh yeah, he fired." Whoa! Him. Did you read anything the Athletic wrote in like but, but January? I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's that. First off, January, you know, it's a long time ago. Things change. It's new NFL season, so you know, you got to think about it like that. You know, I don't know. I just I read all that stuff, and I there are ways to fix yeah. problems yeah. when you yeah, have an issue. It could be somebody. smoke. It could be real. I think it's real. But I, I mean, even, even if it is real, is Russell Wilson ending up on a better team? Because he's not, it's not yeah. happening. Well, okay, if get Russell Wilson ends up Russell on Wilson the team, giant, team like you know better. why? Yeah, that team will be better, but they won't be better than what he's got in Seattle. So I mean, it's like you have to, you have to. There, there's hold on, Russell Wilson with Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony, Darius Slayton, and no offensive line. line. He'll be out by week six, and then we'll be talking Clayton Thorson playing. Games. Okay, so maybe he doesn't go to the Giants. Maybe he goes somewhere else. Maybe so he goes where? the Broncos, or or like literally uh, any NFL team. Period. But like the Panthers, the Panthers were seriously in on him. But w- w- will they? Would they be better than the Seahawks with him? The answer yes. is no. If you put Russell Wilson on the Panthers right now, Russell Wilson with Seahawks Matt Rule would be incredible, I think. But the, the team is just not that good. The weird I mean, hypothetical. Yeah, it, it's very strange. And first off, it does take a lot of facilitating, considering he makes a lot of money, and there is, uh, you know. No, no. I, I mean, I see your guys's points. I, I, I really do. I just they, think they did also is, just get Sam Darnold. So you know, I just that's... really think this is a huge. I, I think this is a huge year for the Seahawks. Like, I, I think that it is like win or make major franchise changes because they've been at this point. You can say that, but like the last time they went to the Super Bowl was like six years ago. Like, they at this point they're just losing in the divisional round every single year basically well, that, that's a lot of teams but they're though. not they're not contenders i would agree the thing is that's like that's a lot of the sport like right but, but if if that yeah. continued to keep happening wouldn't you fire pete carroll and bring in a new guy to revamp it with russell wilson and see if you could yeah. become contenders see, see, that's what because that's what the packers did with aaron Rodgers. has it worked 
Yes. Has it? Yes. It's no. better. It's better. It, 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 but there's still it has results. Worked. They have been in the conference championship game. They were one that, does, poor does coaching decision away from were, a Super Bowl. Last their coach year. was good until their coach was bad. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's the point. That's what I'm saying. Like there are yeah. always there's always downfalls to these big positive things. But anything else you got to say, Ryan, Eric, and any last takes on the NFL here? Like, you know. I'm not necessarily picking a Super Bowl winner just yet, so that's just me. Um, obviously, yeah. we have some teams that we will. Yeah, we we just have to hear it by week one, so you still have time to hold out on that. No, yes. I mean pretty much covered all of my uh, my thoughts. Always good to have Eric on, and here is as well. It's fun to run through the divisions and uh, chat up some things. Oh, Eric, one last thing I wanted to mention. Yeah, Eric, um, Eric, go for it. No, no, Eric, you you told me once upon a time that the Utah Jazz were going to win uh, the NBA championship, <laughs> and, and we I just wanted to address this live. I, I get your your results here. What what happened? uh things didn't go too well they just oh, so what, what exactly what exactly didn't go well can you explain that to me uh well rudy gobert got drawn out to play perimeter defense and despite all the stats saying he's actually pretty good at that he's actually really bad at that mm-hmm. and um they couldn't compete with that at all and should have won game six but in the end just blew like a 25 point lead yeah, they and, did they did and and lost uh but hey they brought in rudy gay so that's kind of a wing defender and that, you know you brought in hassan whiteside which i guess good for you he's like worse rudy gobert but i mean i i, I just uh yeah i i have high hopes because i mean I guess I'm not I'm not threatened by the Lakers. I mean, have fun with Russell Westbrook just ruining your team. I mean, everywhere he goes, the team lo- the teams lose. Like he well, hasn't played on a winning team in at least five and a half years. Uh, every team he goes to, he puts up stats, but they lose. So enjoy losing a lot. The, the thing is, Russell Westbrook. I don't I don't know if you can necessarily say that, considering it's it's a little bit different. I can absolutely say that he went to uh, okay. So James Harden was running the show too, and he made Houston terrible. James Harden is not LeBron James. James Harden will never be able to control a team like LeBron. LeBron James is the GM of the team. Uh, I don't think. LeBron... I think that you have not followed Russell Westbrook's career. I've, I've I think Russell, Russell Westbrook. Westbrook is at all controllable. I think he has to be the alpha. You the team. At, at some point you have to or he will okay sports. Fine. Then I guess enjoy trading Russell Wilson at the trade deadline and being like, why did we just give up all those assets for someone we traded away for trade? I, for, okay, so first off, Russell Westbrook will be the third, uh, the third leading scorer on the team. He will not sure. be that important to the team. Second off, um, you know, LeBron James kind of controls things, and Anthony Davis also controls things. They need the ball. Well, they have the ball more. LeBron than James and maybe doesn't... shouldn't control things because the report that was wrong was the better trade. They should have gotten Buddy Heald. I would have been much more afraid of them if they got yeah. Buddy Heald. They, they should have got Buddy Heald. However, you know, getting Russell Westbrook is not like an L, especially when you give up guys. Like it's Kyle absolutely Cooper. an L, Donnie. That is a hundred percent an L. And so, so you know, Ryan, you have any uh, any. Well, I think the uh, on the theme that Donnie brought up of just like roasting Eric on things he's said in the past on our podcast, he also said that the Avalanche were like a guarantee to make the Stanley Cup final. He did. He did. Yeah, that, was, that, that one that was one very wrong. That. that one really hurts. Thanks for bringing that up, Ryan. I really appreciate that. Uh, anything for the man who just starts off our podcast by letting us know about the insights of a Mormon wedding. I mean, I don't know how else. Absolutely. Yeah. Duh. I mean, I bet. Did you guys get any questions today? 
Did you guys uh, get no. any questions? So, so Eric, this? when you come on the podcast, we don't really like we, we expect you to just talk. We've been on a and, we've been on a question hiatus, but yeah, we'll question, the questions have been bad recently. That's all okay. I'll say. I mean, it's I'll give you guys give me one if, question because it's twelve thirty and I I'm sick and tired of talking to you, Eric. Okay, cool. Well, you have to come up with a question. It can't be about sports, I, though. It can be about anything. I'll give you my wisdom. Actually, just end the podcast. We should go back. <laughs> That's the way. But we should just end this right now. So, Eric, I got one question. You're moving in. What is that, tomorrow? Yeah. How are you feeling? What are we thinking? Uh, like a train is coming to crush me. He's so he's so nervous. Yeah. <laughs> Would you imagine a, like somebody that comes and screams about a Mormon wedding being nervous to move into a dorm? Like, think about no, it. No, no. But I'm more nervous about what comes after the dorm, like the the classes and like the fact I'm gonna so, be doing uh, uh, you know full time classes again plus football season and in person classes. So Just drop out. Did you drop out? Did you drop out? Okay. Almost, but no. <laughs> yeah, that is almost done. I just graduated, yeah. so I yeah, don't need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, cool. I, I feel like, I mean, I've done this so many times. I'll be fine, but, like, more so than ever before, like, Monday night, I just felt like, oh, my God, I'm going to get hit by a train. So Yeah, this kid was texting me, like, like super nervous about school. It's like, have you not done school for the last 15, 16, like, how, yeah, right. how long? Football will help you get through it. Yeah, football so, will help me get through. Absolutely. Sure. Ryan, close this one off. I'm giving the, giving the outro to you. Figure it out. Whatever I mean, you want to say. Of course. It's been a great podcast, of course. Always fun to have Eric on to discuss things that are going on in the world. I mean, one of our favorite guests to, to have on, of course. So it's been a pleasure. Check West, of course, come on the podcast. I know you listened all the way through. You're now informed <laughs> on Mormon weddings and our thoughts on – the playoff races in the MLB and why we think that the Giants and Eagles are very mediocre. So we're glad that you listen to that. Everybody for listening, you're now an end of the podcast, folks. That's what this means. No other way you could be listening to this other than making it all the way through. So we always appreciate that. We will be back again soon with more podcast action. Eric is raising his hand, so he's interrupting my intro, but I'm going to let you interject. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah, please follow my my podcast. At Enzo Pod, I, I would like well, to promote my one thing. That plug I away, plug away. So please, please do that. And if you're an end of a podcast person, congrats to you because you just listened to an over wow. two hour podcast. Congrats to you. That's real dedication. Probably you the prob- longest we've had. You um, probably had to do this like over two or three commutes. So good for you. True. So shout out to and, the dedication there. Cool. Good stuff. Thanks everybody for listening, making it all the way through. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Peace, everybody. Peace. I just wanna slide. Parties in the sky like it's 2055. She said, Boy, you nice. Boy, you nice. Heart cold like some water and some ice. Why would you sacrifice? Knowing you could die and nobody by your side.